pitched. Gone. Broad has him again. This is the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. And just for a change, we've got a test that is in the balance. It is the second day of the third test. We are in Leeds. My name is Josh Shonafinger. I'm joined by Louis Cameron. And while Australia's lead is growing, England are going to feel like they're still in this match, aren't they? It's been that kind of series, Josh, hasn't it? Just when one team looks like they're getting ahead, the other one kind of comes roaring back. Um, it's been great for that this series. If you feel like Australia's always just been a little bit in front and then England kind of get 90% of the way there and we're probably in that position now. Australia started day two, 195 runs in front. They finished day two, They finished day two, uh, 142 in front. So, you know, the overall position hasn't changed a whole heap. Losing four wickets before stumps is kind of the big blow. I mean, they were really, even with Stokes and um, yeah, even Mark Wood whacking a few, um, they Australia were ahead, well ahead of the game, I think, um, and should have really pressed on their advantage. But a few kind of sloppy wickets, I'd say, late in the day has just kept England in the game. Let's run through the scores. And England began the day at three for 68. And off the second ball of the day, lost Joe Root. Uh, he was caught by David Warner at first slip. Off Pat Cummins and then only half an hour into the day, Johnny Besto went as well and Australia were well on top. England then lost Moen Alley and Chris Wokes to the pull shot to leave them in a lot of trouble at 7 for 142 and still over 120 runs behind. But as he's always done, or done a lot, Ben Stokes combined with a tail to drag his side back into the match. He got 80 with five sixes and he was well supported by Mark Wood who also surprised us with a few sixes of his own. When the innings came to a close, they were only behind by 26 runs, all out for 237. And then Australia uh, lost David Warner early in their reply. Usman Khawaja got 43 and Manus Labashain got 33. But as you said, a couple of maybe cheap wickets have left Australia at 4 for 116 at the close, a lead of 142 runs. And while we didn't have the standout headline moments that we've had uh, in the past few days of this test, uh, there's still plenty of talking points. There are, yeah. And, you know, looking forward, if you want to do that in the, the reverse order, the not that we don't have enough to talk about today, but um, it's funny that those two, Stokes and Wood, the two lads from Durham, they're the ones that kind of loom over this game more than anyone else. Mark Wood, you know, at the moment, he's the one giving the Australians the most trouble. We'll talk about his spell today in a little bit. Uh, and he also made some really handy runs with the bat, but it's with the ball that they're going to fear him tomorrow and he's the one that could run through them. And then in a run chase, Ben Stokes is a man. It's, you know, we saw what he did at Lords. We saw what he did at, um, at uh, Headingley, of course, four years ago. Uh, we saw what he did in his first innings where it kind of felt not like a run chase, but like he kind of had a task and that he had to put his team on his back. So it was really funny in the press conference just now, someone was asking basically, you know, a question along those lines that I've just mentioned. And he said, is Ben Stokes is the nuclear deterrent for Australia? And I thought that was a pretty good summary of how they might be thinking about it. All right, so let's talk about Ben Stokes' innings then. He was uh, 28 of 68 when England lost their eighth wicket and he combined with the tail once again, making 52 off his last 40 balls, including five sixes off Todd Murphy and getting England well back into the game. Uh, he, he liked the look at Todd Murphy there for a bit, but in the end it was the youngster who got the better of him. We might get to tight in just a bit, but Ben Stokes, what are Australia going to be able to do to quell his influence? Because he's just a man on a mission at the minute. Here goes Murphy. That's got to be six. He used his feet nicely there. Did Stokes. Got to on the full. Good batting. 
Maybe stop getting the blokes out down the other end. That's the only solution I can think about it because when he bats with the top order, it's kind of nice bend. It's, it's um, you know... Uh, com- conventional uh, bend. Conventional yeah. bend. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, you know, noodling it and nudging it and um, putting the bad ball away. And uh, he's, not, he's not a batsman that Australia fear, I don't think. And that's just like a, a good, you know, a really, really good player, but not one who's going to take the game away from them. As soon as it kind of gets down to six, seven, eight wickets down, and that happened in a hurry, you know, they got they went mm. from um, looking pretty settled with Moe and Ali and him at the crease, and then all of a sudden they were eight and nine down, uh, and then he just becomes a different player altogether, and he's he's bombing you know length balls for six and uh, hits some. We'll talk, yeah, we'll talk about Todd in a bit, but um, he it was hitting really good balls for six, uh, and it's we've just seen it so many times now, and even. With and amongst all this injury that he's got, so we know that he's got a left knee issue today. It looked like it was his right hip, um, and it seems to make him a better player. Like he was hobbling between the stumps. It was a hilarious moment at one point where you had Ollie Robinson down the other end, and he's hobbling, and Ben's hobbling, and um, but it just seems to take him to another level. If there's an if there's an extra obstacle or the degree of difficulties harder, that seems to make him a better player. It's yeah, he's on a different level, isn't he? Not sure what the England team had for lunch, but it certainly worked. After the break, they came out and scored 95 runs in 10.2 overs. Mark Wood hit three sixes in the first over after the break. And then Ben Stokes, as we said, got five of his own. And it was really a – this was the baseball that we'd come to expect but hadn't seen so far in this test. And maybe this is a good time to bring in how Todd went against him because I thought that was, you know, the most – really the most interesting part of the day was how Todd Murphy, who bowled a really good four-over spell before lunch, yeah. he got thrown the ball after lunch and he bowled uh, – Australia's – they'd started off with their best two bowlers after lunch. So they started with Stark and they started with Cummins. They went for 55 runs of 23 balls. So – it's like, all right, here yeah. you go, Todd. Have a crack at uh, bowling to Stokes in this mood, and it was it was fascinating how he did it. Like he he'd bowled really well to him at the start. So before lunch, he Stokes had tried to go him, and he kind of got a reverse. He got one reverse sweep that went straight to a field. He tried to launch him over um, mid wicket. That didn't work either. But then he it looked like he just finally lined him up, and he and Todd just kind of lost it just a little bit. He bowled a full toss, that went for six. He bowled a probably a half volley, that went for 6-2. And it was at that point that Alex Carey and Pat Cummins came over and spoke to him uh, and maybe just settled the nerves. I mean, this is a guy who played four tests on the Tour of India earlier this year, so he's no mug, even though he's only played 12 first-class games. He's not, you know, inexperienced. Uh, but on the other hand, he is inexperienced. And this is another level of difficulty and you've got the crowd and, and everything like that. It just settled him. And he got hit for three more sixes, but... I reckon at that point they were kind of happy with what you know they were happy with how they tipped mm. the the risk in their favour. So one of them was a six over, I think just in front of square leg, and then he hit another length ball over mid on, and then he went onto the leg side again. And they were just they were good balls, and he was just bombing him for sixes. So I reckon at that point Murphy had kind of he'd probably just got his he'd got his line of length right, and eventually uh, he got the wicket with one that was slower and wider. Really great battle, really good composure from the 22-year-old to finally get the wicket. He would have felt like he was in a chance for his first Ashes wicket a couple of times. He had uh, Ben Stokes skying his second ball, I think, after the break, and which Mitch Stark just, uh, just landed a little bit short of him. He was running in from long off. He just couldn't quite get there. And then the following ball, uh, Ben Stokes hammered, 
a straight drive back at Todd Murphy. Couldn't quite get his hand down to it. I think it may have come off his thigh in the end. And so two really tough half chances, but sometimes you have to take those, don't you? In the end, it cost him a few runs, but he did get the catch. Uh, I think it was Steve Smith down at Long On who took a really good catch and one of his five for the innings. That's right. Yeah, long off, I think it was. But yeah, Smith's catching was was incredible. You're right. Those two drop catches, that came in that early period before he'd hit the sixes off the, the really good ball. So maybe it was a case of, oh, you know, crap, like, you know, he's, I've dropped two chances or I've dropped a chance and Mitch just couldn't quite get to another one. So uh, the way he kept his composure in amongst all that was, you know, was really impressive. And it, and it suggests that Australia are in pretty good hands for the rest of the series, even without Nathan Lyon, right? It certainly does. Let's get to our moment of the day, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, official airline of the Australian cricket team and proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to more than 95 destinations around the globe. Louis, what do you have for us today? It's not so much of a moment, but more of a performance. If I can hijack Qantas's moment of the day, I'm sure they won't mind. Pat Cummins ended up with six for 91. It was his first Ashes five-wicket haul, I think it was. He became the leading wicket-taker in the series as well. There's just – I wanted to bring it up because there's just been so much talk about, you know, Pat's integrity and, um, you know, how he's handling the spirit of cricket kind of stuff. <laughs> and there hasn't been that much focus on him in this series as just how good a bowler he is. Like, I think he's been clearly the standout bowler from either team. Um, and he's just barely missed – he's barely had a bad spell. Um, super impressed with how he's gone about it. We just kind of take it for granted. You think back to the India tour where he played the first two tests of that series – um, he obviously had a lot going on, you know, with some some personal stuff, but he, he was he was short of his best, you know. He was out there, and I think that's fair enough for us to say. Uh, but he's come roaring back in this series, and um, yeah, one of the best bowlers in the world, and he just keeps proving it. He finished with six for ninety one off eighteen overs, and it's his fourth six wicket haul in Test cricket. So that's a pretty good achievement as is. At Stumps, he had the wickets of Duckett and Brook, and then today he took the wickets of Root. Ali, Wood and Broad. So another great performance from Australia's captain. And I guess as we look ahead, which we don't like to do, but if we look ahead as well. I like to do it. What are you talking about? It's <laughs> okay. my favourite thing to do. What do you got for me? Come on. Well, we've mentioned it a few times. Six tests in a row for Australia. The captain, he's a fast bowler. It might come to a point where he needs a break or he needs a rest. We've seen Cameron Green. They haven't rolled the dice with him in this test. If he's bowling this well and Australia, you know, keep winning, how... Can you really afford to rest the player like Pat Cummins? I think it's a fantastic question. I think it's one they will be asking Australia. The I think it all hinges on how they go in this game, really. I mean, if they have a 3-0, mm. unassailable 3-0 series yeah. lead at the end of this, you're probably going, if Pat's at 70 or 80% going into any of the next two tests, you probably don't play him, do you? Because he would have played four on the bounce by that point if you yeah. think about the World Test Championship final. Um, you would just kind of hand the reins to Steve Smith and go, well, yeah, of course they want to win, but rather than having your foot on the gas, um, I think you'd probably take it off to 80 or 90% of, the, percent of that. If they lose this test, then you probably just got to keep him going, don't you? Like unless he's, you know, really – you're not sure he's going to make it through the test – um, you need him because he's just so valuable at the moment. Let's hope he's in an ice bath as we speak, doing all the right things recovery-wise. Let's jump into Australia's second innings, as we said, a lead of 26 runs and really needing to grow that considering the chasing record for teams here at Headingley is really strong in the past few years. And David Warner uh, only lasted five balls. He lasted five balls in the first innings. He lasted five balls in the second innings. And he was out to Stuart Broad again for the 17th time 
in test cricket. Um, it's an interesting discussion. We've spoken on this podcast about how Warner's form has looked good at times on this tour, but as we look at his figures for the tour as a whole, he's got 185 runs at an average of 23. So you probably do want a bit more out of your opener, don't you? Yeah, I think they would. I think the rationale leading into this tour was, I mean, the selectors basically said that Warner was the best option. They kind of didn't think the kind of, you know, the three guys behind him, Harris, Bancroft and Renshaw, the first and third of those two started on this tour. Didn't, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, they basically thought that those guys had had a bit of a crack at test cricket and, you know, hadn't, not all of them had had some moments, um, especially Harris and, and uh, Renshaw, but none of them really shot the lights out, right? Like they've never really demanded their spot. Whereas I think they kind of thought, even though Warner, may, yep, he may be past his peak, he might not be the, the David Warner we, we have seen in the past. I think they thought he was still the best option here. Um, and they've, that's got to be a test-by-test test proposition. And they've kind of – I think they've said that. They haven't made any secret. They haven't – he wants to retire after the Sydney test next yep. summer. But, um, you know, there's no guarantees that he'll necessarily get there. So, yeah, two more dismissals to Broad. Um, you know, it doesn't help his case, especially when you've got a guy like Cameron Green waiting in the wings. I know Green's not an opener, but um, I guess that argument that there's no alternative, um, they've got to have to re – they'll have to rethink it at the end of this test, won't they, whether – um, you'd rejig the batting order and open with someone like Marnus or something like that. Um, that's the conversation they've got to have. The coach, Andrew McDonald, was asked about David Warner's form at the press conference just now. I think when you, you've got an opening bowler behind an opening batsman, they're, they're more likely to get them out with a new ball, aren't they, at times? Um, I think the three 50-plus run partnerships that Usman and Dave have put on in the series have been, been telling um, and had great impact. Uh, so, yeah, not here to discuss David Warner at this stage. Also impressive today was coming back into the side, Moeen Ali. He um, obviously missed the Lord's test with that uh, finger blister sort of injury that he had. And he bowled 17 overs straight in the final session tonight, finishing with two for 34. He got the wickets of Manus Labuschagne caught at deep square leg and Steve Smith caught at mid-wicket. And Steve Smith was actually his 200th test wicket. So congratulations to Mo. That's not a mean feat at all. And in the end, Ali, well, I thought at Birmingham he looked rusty, as you would probably expect being out of first-class cricket for so long. But today he settled into a groove, held up an end, and in the end two and over for a whole session. That's a good, good result. You're right. I think he did bowl better. I thought the way that Australia played him was a little bit odd. Like they, uh, I thought they really could have gotten after him a touch more, and they were a bit hesitant at times. Um, they dragged down a few balls, and they, you know, just didn't put him away. So I thought they could have put him under a bit more pressure. He's a guy who's, um, you know, hasn't played that much Test cricket, and kind of said at the press conference like a, he kind of said like he didn't really expect to go that well, and he's gone better than he thought. Mm. So his own expectations are pretty low. That's a guy who's right for the picking, right? Like, look look at how um, Stokes summed up the situation against Murphy. He kind of goes, well, this is a guy who hasn't played a lot of Ashes cricket, a lot of Test cricket. I'm going to go after him. And sometimes you have to play the man a bit like that. So maybe they missed a trick. On the other side, you might say that, you know, uh, Labuschagne and Smith both kind of tried that. Um, and we've seen Marnus have mm-hmm. a, a series where he's looked really, really good at times. He looked great in the first innings when he, he started. He played all these great shots off his legs um, and then didn't make – uh, what did he get? 21 in that, that innings. I got out to Chris Wokes. And then this one, um, he's just kind of spooned the ball off uh, Mo and Ali. Steve Smith then got out. And that was a, a bit of a talking point as well that I'm sure we can um, we can have a talk about in a bit. Um, that's what you do with talking points. I don't know if <laughs> you, you, know, talk you talk about, about, about them. them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he, he was fuming, right? Like that was that was a really unsmith like dis- dismissal. It also kind of fits into this pattern of him 
getting worse as test goes on. So his average in the first innings of test matches is 86. That drops to 55 in the second. Still pretty good, right? Uh, but then you get to the third, it's 43. And you get to the last innings, it's 28. So okay, yeah. maybe that's kind of void given we're only on day two of this test, right? Like, you know, I've heard some people say <laughs> that it might be down to a lack of sleep, that, you know, he doesn't sleep that well during tests and maybe that has a cumulative effect during test matches. Is that your theory or someone else's theory? Oh, I'm just saying it's a theory. It's out there. I don't know whose theory it might be, but um, I don't think I'm the first person to, to say it, but, you know, he's only had two nights of sleep during this test. So, um, <laughs> yeah, whether sleep was an issue on the, you know, the way into his 100th test, we don't know, but um, he was he was pretty angry when he got out, wasn't he? Well, yeah, and that uh, Besto send-off, in inverted commas, was a bit of a talking point towards the end of the day. Maybe we'll hear what Moen Ali had to say about it at the press conference. Johnny Besto had a bit of, bit of an exchange. I'm not sure if you, you saw that, and uh, if so, um, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, I didn't know until Johnny said to me, all I said was cheers so much or something. So, um, and then somebody mentioned it to me in the change room, um, but I don't know exactly what was said, and I didn't. I was celebrating. So I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't see. Sorry. Yeah. So Moen was obviously kind of celebrating and didn't see the full extent of it. And you know they played it on replay on Sky. And you know from what it looked like, it best I didn't say too much. It was kind of I, th- I think maybe the confusion or you know obviously A Smith was really angry probably at himself. And B, it looked like he didn't hear what Bearso said. And it kind of said, sounded like something like, see you later, mate, or, or something like that, um, which is, you know, pretty harmless in the scheme of things. You'd kind of argue that maybe saying anything to a batter who's just gotten out isn't all that great, given, you know, we've been bleeding on about spirit of cricket and all that, you know, during the week. So, but I don't think it was a, it was a hanging offence by either in, in any regard. And um, I think, you know, the person Smith will be most angry at was himself. And I dare say when he got into the changing rooms, he would have said, um, you know, some nastier things to himself than what Besto said to him. All right, we'll play on then. Uh, well, you said you, off the top you wanted to mention Mark Wood and his performance today after drinks in the evening session. Oh, sorry, his spell before drinks in the evening session really ruffled some feathers, but he finished with none for nine off five overs. And then he bowled another spell after that at the end of the day and to finish with none for 12 off 10 overs. So incredibly economical for the fast man, but... And unlike the first innings, he just couldn't get the wicket that he wanted. Yeah, and I think that's the bit that Australia wanted, right? Like they just didn't play a shot against him. They just weren't interested. I think there's a lot of respect from him in terms of a, a guy who's not just kind of running in and bang it in short, Neil Wagner style. Like, yeah, he's doing a bit of that. But when he pitches it up, he's getting the ball to move a lot and he's gotten a lot of play and misses off uh, balls that have been pitched up as well. So lion-hearted bowler. The question for England is just how long can they keep him going for in this series? We saw they obviously don't have Ollie Robinson probably for the rest of this test to bowl, right? Um, and, you know, question mark over the rest of the series. Then you're relying on Wood potentially as your, as their best bowler going into the last two tests. Um, I'd be I'd be keeping him on ice. I'd be, you know, really thinking uh, this is the kind of dilemma they have, right? Like they need to win this test. They need to, you know, use their best bowler as much as they can. Um, but then they've also got to kind of think about how they might get him through two more tests if they do manage to win here. A bit of rain around tomorrow, so hopefully that stays away, but a fascinating end to this test is coming up. This has been the Unplayable Podcast brought to you by Qantas, Spirit of Australia, and we'll catch you all tomorrow.